Welcome back. Hey. Hey, sorry about last week, guys. Um, my internet went out a lot. We had to have a tech come out. It was a big thing. Uh, my uh, gaming gamer son uh, really almost had a mental breakdown. Um, <laughs> I almost had a mental breakdown when it went out right before recording. So that one's on me, guys. Sorry about that. But uh, thanks for hanging in. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Doing yeah. Well. What's been going on with you? Any chaos that you can share in my misery? I mean, constant chaos, but um, I did go see the Beetlejuice musical, which was <laughs> fucking phenomenal. Uh, I was, yeah, it was so fun. We had a great time. That's uh, wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, we missed you around here. The last episode was our interview with Jacqueline Nunez, owner of The Conjuring House, um, and Aaron filled in for you. And uh, you missed a good time. You missed a good time. Have you watched the episode? Have you listened to it? I have listened to part of it. I haven't finished yet, though. Okay. Okay. It's a good time. Yeah. She uh, decide, determines, not determines, but she clarifies once mm-hmm. and for all that there are no demons at the Conjuring House. So everybody that goes there expecting to find a demon, you're going to be disappointed. Breaking news. You heard it here first. All right. Hey. Yeah. So um, also, if they really believe a demon is there and they're going there to find that, why are people seeking out demons is my question. Why, why is that a thing that's being done? You might want to reconsider your life choices. Listen, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Um, let's jump right into our... Nope. And this vocal prattling, I didn't update your name. That's fine. Yeah. I'm Aaron Bush. Aaron Bush. Um, yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for everything you do for the podcast. We are so grateful. And um, if you'll please... Uh, get the fucking website updated already. Jesus Christ. I'm kidding. <laughs> Aaron's always on top of it, which is why we hired her. Um, EVPs are, guys, merch as always. We've got, um, <laughs> we have, I have a funny story to tell you about the merch, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, pint glasses, wine glasses, coffee mugs, drawstring bags, koozies, stickers, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but the funny thing I had to tell you is we got a message from a guy on Facebook, messaged the podcast, mm-hmm. said that um, our um, products were lo- of low quality, mm-hmm. um, that his friend bought a coffee mug. I guess it must have been um, at the convention at Ohio State Reformatory Convention. Mm-hmm. He said that his friend bought one of our coffee mugs and he had borrowed it and he had it for two days and it broke. And I was like... Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Can I please see a picture of the mug? We, I never heard from him again. Right. I was like, okay, so one of two things is happening here. One, you're trying to get free shit. Or two, you borrowed your friend's coffee mug and you broke it. And now you're blaming us for our stuff being poor quality. <laughs> right. Because I never heard from the guy again. I was like... Like, what'd you say about her fingers? You can't. I don't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm like, all right, buddy, whatever. Um, Yeah. So I asked to see a picture of the, like, how it broke. Like, did the handle come off? Did it, like, you know, whatever. But um, I never heard from him again. I was like, well, all right. 
So, um, yeah, there that scathing indictment on the quality of our merchandise. Um, I'm like, because I have a bunch of mugs and they're fine. <laughs> Even I with mean, my kids. Just it, fucking saying something. So, like, come on. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, nothing has broken so far. Um, I did break a wine glass. Uh, however, that was actually... Um, my fault due to the and, wine that you consumed it from inside it and probably. right yeah and sag- <laughs> no 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 i it was actually my red rum wine glass uh oh, from no. stanley hotel yeah i was washing it in really really hot water and when i pulled it out of the sink i accidentally hit the edge of the sink and it must have just hit it on just the right part because the glass like and it was my last one because i had broken the other one i bought two and so um Maybe that's an indictment on uh, Stanley Hotel's quality of merchandise. We'll never know. All right. Uh, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I'm going to blame them. I mean, listen, probably. All right. um, the next thing, guys, uh, we want to tell you about, again, if you have not yet watched it, and Laura, have you yet seen even the trailer for Tony and Cherie and Ron and Lord it is? Nope. Lord is. Well, Loki, we call her Loki. Ron and Loki's three-part docu-series on Staticom called Knowingly Talking to the Unknown. Have you seen the, the trailer? I saw the trailer online, um, but I have not watched it yet. Yeah, I barely it's... have time to like watch anything. So No, yeah, seriously. Not, not for lack neither. of trying. But, yeah. Me either. Yeah, me either. It's kind of ridiculous. I, I listen to podcasts while I'm um, door dashing, which has been truly lovely. I've been able to catch up on a lot of shit I was too busy to listen to, but it does take about three and a half hours to get through one episode. So, um, but yeah, uh, I definitely want to check it out. It is on Paraflix, um, which is a streaming platform you can find on Roku, Apple TV, all of those fun places. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's have another look at um, our friends and the folks that trained us as paranormal investigators. We got to see Staticom in action at Gettysburg Battlefield Bash last year. And man, were we blown away. Here it is, guys. Take a look. Thank <laughs> you. 
Unbelievable. Yeah, it's really cool. It was a very cool experiencing it uh, live. And if you're just listening, the like voices that you heard there is what's coming through on the static op. Like it's very clear. Yeah. Um, they'll like answer questions. I mean, it's all like contextually relevant, relevant, and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, it's truly remarkable. Um, that part where. Anthony Simonelli asks his mom and he says, hey, ma, if Cookie is there with you, his old dog, can Cookie bark for me? And then a fucking dog barked like it's all responses in real time. It's I will never, ever, ever stop touting this and promoting it. And I cannot freaking wait until we can get our hands on the equipment needed so that we can use it when we do investigations because oh my god it really 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 wonderful and wild um i did tell when i we were talking about it in the with jacqueline nunez i said that you were always my like gauge on um experiences that we have and if it's something that really like kind of fucking blows your hair back then i know it's really really cool and um i said when we were there doing it at gettysburg with them laura and was and i were just like oh my god holy crap like it's just the fact that you were so floored by it i was like this is this is they've got the goods they've got the good stuff yeah it was yeah it was really amazing so Anyway, guys, that is streaming on Paraflix, um, and I believe that it is still going on, but it is a streaming service, so you can pay monthly or you can pay annually, and if you enter in Staticom 25, you can get 25% off the annual um, subscription price, which I believe is $39.99. Again, this is not a paid promotion, um, But they are our very dear friends, and so we are going to shout it from the rooftops at everybody that you should go and check out this three-part docuseries by Tony Rathman. They all worked really hard putting this together, and um, you don't want to miss it. So to that end, Laura, are you ready to get into – this is a big episode, guys, today. This is a big one this week. Um, We're taking everybody to the Alamo. Going, everything's bigger in Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. And uh, so uh, why don't you take it away, little lady? 
Sounds very creepy. Uh, but good, right? I sounded just <laughs> like it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, <laughs> so my sources for today are wikipedia.com, thoughtco.com, and thealamo.org. Thank you for rem- oh the Alamo.org. Sorry, my bad. I typed that. That's my fault. Um, also, thank you for reminding me. I almost did not put that screen up. <laughs> you got it. I'm here for you. So uh, let's get started. The Alamo is a historic Spanish mission and fortress compound founded in the 18th century by Roman Catholic missionaries in what is now San Antonio, Texas. Okay. It was the site of the Battle of the Alamo in 1836. A pivotal event of the Texas Revolution. So the small 63 feet wide and 33 feet tall adobe structure known as the Alamo was started in 1727 as a stone and mortar church for the Spanish Catholic Mission San Antonio de Valero. The church was still not completed when it was transferred to civil authorities in 1792. It was finished when Spanish troops arrived in 1805, but it was originally used as a hospital. Um, About this time, it was renamed the Alamo, which means cottonwood in Spanish, after the Spanish military company that occupied it. Oh, okay. Learn a new shit already, huh, Karen? I mean, listen, you educate all of us, (laughs) dear one. And myself. All right, so uh, (laughs) during the Mexican War of Independence, it briefly housed Mexican forces. Uh, That was 1818. And then in 1825, it finally became the permanent quarters for a garrison of men under the direction of Anastasio Bustamante, the captain general of the Provincias Internas. I love your accent. It's great. Thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Living there in Arizona. Right. It's so bad. Okay. So at the time (laughs) of the Battle of the Alamo, however, the structure had become dilapidated. Uh, Martin Perfecto de Cause at Bexar arrived in late 1835 and put the Alamo into quote-unquote fort fashion by building a dirt ramp up to the top rear of the church wall and covering it with planks. He installed an 18-pounder cannon and mounted a half dozen other cannons. And the Mexican army defended it in the Battle of December 1835 when it was further damaged. So the basic story of the Alamo is that rebellious Texans captured the city of San Antonio uh, in a battle in December of 1835. Afterward, they fortified the Alamo. um, And it, like, you know, it was obviously, it was a mission in the center of town. So Mexican General Santa Ana appeared in short order at the head of a massive army and laid siege to the Alamo. He attacked on March 6th, 1836, overrunning the approximately 200 defenders in less than two hours. None of the defenders survived. So many myths and legends have grown about the Battle of the Alamo, um, but the facts give a different account. So Mexico gained independence from Spain in 1821. um, And at that time, Texas, or rather Tejas, was part of Mexico. That you say correctly. (laughs) In 1824, Mexico's leaders wrote a Federalist Constitution not much different from that of the United States, and thousands of people from the U.S. moved into the region. The new colonists brought enslavement with them. Of course. In 1829, well, I mean, hey, uh, they were fucking dicks. So in 1829, the Mexican government outlawed the practice specifically to discourage the influx um, 
since it was not an issue there. So by 1835, there were 30,000 Anglo-Americans uh, in Texas and only 7,800 uh, Texas Mexicans. Oh, Tejanos. Right. Tejanos, okay. So in 1832, General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana took control of the Mexican government. He annulled the Constitution and set up centralist control. Jesus. So, yeah. So some of the um, Anglo-Americans and Tejanos wanted the Federalist Constitution back. Uh, some wanted centralist control to be based in Mexico, and that was the main basis for the turmoil in Texas, not independence. Uh, okay. So San Antonio was captured by rebellious Texans in December of 1835. General Sam Houston felt that holding San Antonio was impossible and unnecessary as most of the settlements of the rebellious Texans were far to the east. So Houston sent Jim Bowie to San Antonio. His orders were to destroy the Alamo and return with all the men and artillery that were stationed there. Uh, once he saw the fort defenses, Bowie decided to ignore his orders, having become convinced of the need to defend the city. Ah. Right? <laughs> so the official commander of the Alamo was James Neal. However, he left on family matters, leaving Lieutenant Colonel William Travis, who was a never-do-well, an enslaver who had no military repu reputation before the Alamo, in charge. Sure. Why not? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> You're totally not qualified. It's you. <laughs> uh, there was a problem, obviously, with that. Um, half the men that were not there were not enlisted soldiers, but volunteers who would who could really come and go as they wanted to. Mm. Um, and those men only wanted to listen to that gym guy. Um, and that gym guy did not like Travis. And so he re refused to follow his orders. <laughs> this gym so, guy is like, listen, all of you are stupid and we're going to do it my way. <laughs> pretty much. So Bozzy Bear's gym came and was like, fuck you and fuck you. All right. <laughs> so this tense situation was re resolved by three events. One, the advance of a common enemy, which was the Mexican army. Two, the arrival of the charismatic and famous Davy Crockett, who proved very skilled at diffusing the tension between Travis and Jim. Did he just and, happen upon it or he heard about it and came out to help or? I'm not exactly sure how he ended up there. Um, okay. Obviously, it was not a good choice on his part. Um, <laughs> but then Bossy Jim got sick right before the battle. Oh, poor Bossy Jim. Listen. So, <laughs> so Santa Ana's army arrived in San Antonio in late February of 1836. And seeing the massive Mexican army on their doorstep, the Texas defenders hastily retreated to the well-fortified Alamo. So during the first couple of days, however, Santa Ana made no attempt to seal the exits from the Alamo in the town. Uh, the defenders could have very easily slipped away in the night if they had wanted to. Hmm. But they remained trusting their defenses and their skill with their lethal long rifles. Um, in the end, though, obviously would not be enough. So... Right. Lieutenant Travis sent repeated requests to um, Colonel James Fannin in Goliad, which was like only 90 miles away for reinforcements. Okay. And he thought that they were going to come. So every day during the siege, the defenders of the Alamo looked for the men, but they never came. This um, is the, tra the Travis guy is the guy that had no experience in. Right, right. Well, how was he sure that this guy was even getting his letters? I, I, I don't know. He believed in it. He was. I asked, yeah. like you were there, yeah, and like I know. I'm like, I don't know. He was like, I don't know. Were you not but, the war correspondent of the day? What the hell? Not, <laughs> um, so Bannon had decided that the logistics of reaching the Alamo in time were impossible, 
And in any event, even if he did, he thought like his 300 or so men would not make a difference against the Mexican army and its 2,000 soldiers. So, <laughs> but like, they had I'm Moxie. Gonna... So <laughs> he's like, right? He's like, I'm gonna fucking pass. So <laughs> thanks for the invite. I'm gonna fucking stay here and maybe not like go get fucking killed. But then, this is early day Stockholm syndrome. Gotcha. Okay. Right? No, thank you. <laughs> so it's a common misconception that the Texans who rose up against Mexico were all settlers from the U.S. who decided on independence. Uh, there were many, many native Texans, uh, Mexican nationals referred to as Tejanos, who joined the movement and fought every bit as bravely as their Anglo, Anglo companions. Um, okay. Both sides included prominent Mexican citizens. So among the 187 men in Travis's force who died were 13 native-born Texans, 11 of Mexican descent. There were 41 Europeans, two African-Americans, and the rest were Americans from the states in the United States. Okay. Um, Santa Ana's forces included a mix of former Spanish citizens, Spanish, Mexican Creoles, and Mestizos, and several indigenous young men sent from the interior of Mexico. Okay. So many of the defenders of the Alamo believed in independence for Texas, but their leaders had not declared independence for Mexico yet. It was on March 2nd, 1836, that delegates met in Washington on the Brazos, formally declared independence for Mexico. Okay. Meanwhile, the Alamo had been under siege for days, <laughs> and it <laughs> fell early on March 6th. They're like, the oh, right, we're, we left that going over there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What, with the defenders never knowing that independence had been formally declared a few days before. Fucking A, man. <laughs> right? So although Texas declared itself an independent republic in 1836, the Mexican state did not recognize Texas until the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1848. Damn. So Davy Crockett, a famous frontiersman and former U.S. congressman, mm -hmm. was the highest profile defender to fall at the Alamo. However, his like fate is unclear. So according to Jose Enriquez de la Pefia, one of Santa Ana's soldiers, a handful of prisoners, including Crockett, were taken after the battle and put to death. The mayor of San Antonio, however, claimed to have seen Crockett dead among the other defenders, and he had met Crockett before the battle. So whether he fell in battle or was captured and executed, either way, he was said to fight, fight bravely, and he did not survive yes. the battle of the Alamo. Yeah. So according to legend, Fort Commander William Travis drew line in the sand with a sword and asked all of the defenders who were willing to fight to the death to cross it, and only one man refused. Legendary frontiersman Jim Bowie, who was suffering from a debilitating illness, our buddy Jim, bossy Jim, bossy Jim. asked to be carried over the line. <laughs> so this famous story shows the dedication of the Texans to fight for their freedom, for their freedom. The only problem is it probably didn't happen, but it's a lovely story. I mean, it's uh, heartwarming. Right. <laughs> the first time the story appeared in print was in 1888 in um, Anna Pennybacker's New History for Texas Schools. As we know, the Texans like to write their own school books um, <laughs> and history. So Pennybacker included a later often quoted speech by Travis with a footnote reporting that Quote, some unknown author has written the following imaginary speech of Travis. Um, Penny Becker describes a line drawing episode and puts in another footnote. The student may wonder if none escaped from the Alamo, how we know the above to be true. The story runs that this one man rose by name who refused to step over the line did not did make his escape that night. He reported the events, but historians are obviously doubtful. Right. Yeah. So not everyone in the fort was killed. 
Um, however, there were survivors. There were women, children, and servants, and enslaved people. Okay. Um, and among them was Susanna W. Dickinson. She was the widow of Captain Amaran Dickinson and her infant daughter, Angela Angelita. Dickinson later reported the fall of the post to Sam Houston and Gonzalez. Oh, okay. So, right. So that Mexican dictator in general, um, Mr. Santa Ana, he won the Battle of the Alamo and he took back the city of San Antonio and putting the Texans on notice that the war would be won without quarter. So still many of his officers believed that he had paid too high a price because some 600 Mexican soldiers did die in the battle. Whoa. Compared to roughly 200 rebellious Texans. <laughs> Furthermore, the brave defense of the Alamo caused many more rebels to join the Texan army. And in the end, Santa Ana lost the war, going down in defeat within six weeks. Wow, okay. Some men reportedly deserted the Alamo and ran off in the days before the battle. And as the Texans were facing the whole Mexican army, desert- desertions are not surprising, right? I would have fucking loved to. So right. rather, what a surprise. <laughs> hey, cool, but I'm going to, I got to go. Well, they're distracted um, over there. We're going to escape over here. <laughs> Getting out of here. This is way too much work. <laughs> I'll be right back. I forgot. Davey, <laughs> Davey said nothing about this bullshit. I am out of here. <laughs> have you seen his hat? It's fucking ridiculous. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we follow him? Okay. <laughs> right. Um, he has a fucking squirrel on his head. I don't know if anybody noticed. Um, rather, what is surprising is that some men snuck into the Alamo in the days before the final attack. On March 1st, 32 brave men from the town of Gonzales made their way through enemy lines to reinforce the defenders of the Alamo. Um, two days later, on March 3rd, James Butler Bonham, who had been sent out by Travis with a call for reinforcements, crept back into the Alamo. His message delivered. Bonham and the men from Gonzales all died during the battle. Sadly. Um, so after the Alamo battle, the soldiers from San uh, under San Houston's commands were the only obstacle between San Ana's attempt to reincorporate Texas into Mexico. Mm-hmm. Houston was indecisive, lacking a clear plan to meet the Mexican army. But by either chance or design, he met Santa Ana at San Jacinto on April 21st, overtaking his forces. God, I can't talk. And capturing him as he retreated south. Houston's men were the were the first to shout, "Remember the Alamo!" So, in okay. early April 1836, Santa Ana had the structural elements of the Alamo burned, and the site was left in ruins for the next several decades. As Texas became first a republic, then a state, it was rebuilt by Major E.B. Babbitt in 1854. But then the Civil War interrupted. Damn that Civil War ruined a lot of projects. It totally fucked everything. Imagine <laughs> all the bridges we would have. Okay. So not until the late 1890s did two women uh, collaborate to preserve the Alamo. Wow. They and the Daughters of the Republic of Texas started a movement to rebuild the monument to its 1836 configuration. Oh, cool. So the majority of the Alamo's 1836 battlefield has been lost in the nearly two centuries since that dramatic battle. Sure. The Mexican army tore down the compound's outer walls in may of 1836 this left just two structures the alamo church and the long barrack san antonio grew up with the alamo at its heart with streets and buildings now occupying the site of the most sacred battle in texas history wow the walls enclosing the gardens behind the alamo today as well as the gift shop and other structures around the complex were because you gotta have a gift shop at the war memorial i mean come on (laughs) 
were added a century or more after the battle. So the Alamo was designated a National Historic Landmark on December 19th of 1960 and was documented, documented by the Historic American Building Survey in 1961. So at, <laughs> the, okay, it was the inaugural listing on the National Register of Historic Places in 1966 and is a contributing property to the Alamo Plaza Historic District, which was designated in 1977. So as San Antonio prepared to host uh, the Hemi's Fair in 1968. I don't really make that sound like a big deal. Never heard of it. But I mean, the long barracks were <laughs> roofed and turned into a museum. Oh. So few structural changes have taken place since then. Mm, okay. Um, as of 2002, the Alamo welcomed over 4 million visitors each year, making it one of the most popular historic sites in the United States. Wow. Right? Visitors may tour the chapel as well as the long barracks, which contains a small museum with paintings, weapons, and other artifacts from the era of the Texas Revolution. Additional artifacts are displayed in another complex building alongside a large diorama that recreates the compound as it existed in 1836. Wow. A, a large mural known as the Wall of History portrays the history of the Alamo complex from its mission days to modern times. Wow. Now, is the gift shop historically accurate too like they had in 1836 absolutely cool it's the same as davy crockett everything is there everybody it's gets a hat. amazing everybody gets a hat you Super. get a hat you get a hat there are no squirrels left in san antonio <laughs> yeah i wouldn't imagine <laughs> um it is really cool when you go visit, but it, yeah, it, people don't realize it's right in the center of town. So did they build San Antonio kind of around the Alamo? Like mm -hmm. literally just purposefully really? built the city around the Alamo? I don't know. I, purposefully, but churches were a lot of times the missions, especially out West, were like the beginnings yeah. of the town. So true. That's, that's true. That's what started the town. And I mean, even back East, so many um, towns are built around churches. Okay. That is the center of the town. So, I mean, very much like that. Yeah. Mm, it's okay. in the very center of San Antonio. I don't know, I mean, direct center, but it is downtown. So, yeah. Very cool, though. Because you don't, you know, you think about the Alamo, you think it's going to be out, like. Literally in the middle of the desert. Area. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like. It's smack dab in the middle of the city. You literally, yes. You would, when you, when I picture the Alamo, I picture it out about a hundred miles past where Jesus lost his sandals. Right, so exactly. yeah, it is not there. It is not. Okay. That's pretty cool though. It's kind of like, um, uh, what am I thinking of? When we went to the tower of London, mm -hmm. we got off the tube and you walk up, there's this old, like random, stone wall it's just a wall it's one wall it's not even part of a building it's just this random freaking wall not far from the tower of london but it it was built by the romans and so like they as london grew they kind of built it around this really and so that's i guess what i was imagining um san antonio had done with the alamo like this is like the heart of our state kind of a thing and we don't want to mm -hmm. kind of I a suppose. thing yeah cool well it's hella haunted um and and so. should be given this lovely heartwarming story you just told about it um <laughs> I'm here for like, you 
Listen, I, I appreciate it. Um, so, I'm sorry, I was going to go into the ghost, so I didn't even bother to ask if you were done, but you didn't. Yes, I'm done. Yeah, done. thank you. Okay, thank mm -hmm. you. I'll finish. So, can I go now? <laughs> you can. <laughs> okay, great. It's my turn. Okay, right. fine. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, no, the button isn't working. Never mind. <laughs> if you can, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, no. Okay, guys. Um, my sources are Legends of America, Nightly Spirits, Military Ghosts, and HauntedRoomsAll.com. So, um, like you said, Laura, um, now, like you, <laughs> like you said, you're like, I'm going to learn with you. I'm also going to be learning because I wrote these notes over two weeks ago. And um, so I have forgotten a lot of it. So let's just go on this adventure together, everybody. Um so I'll be like, oh, I forgot about this. That's right. Okay. Um, like you said, it is one of the most enduring tales of heroism and sacrifice in American history. And it is a symbol of Texan pride. So the Alamo is many things to many people. But there are many who say it is something more to the dead. Now, whether the ghosts that prowl the grounds are restless spirits with unfinished business, or they're simply just forlorn souls who have yet to pass on, like maybe those people that followed Davy Crockett, who are like, that was a really bad choice we made. Um, the Alamo is widely considered to be one of the most haunted locations in Texas, and for good reason. See what Laura just, the whole, all of what Laura just said. <laughs> Laura, will you please repeat that for the folks? Um, <laughs> so over the years, a large number of skeptics and believers alike have experienced startling, unexplained paranormal phenomena at the Alamo. So, um, you know, some of these events can be dismissed as the product of overactive imaginations. Some have been explained by science itself. But like so many other famous haunted battlefields and forts um, that have experienced their own incidents of death and murder and extreme emotional crises, the Alamo is probably the best known psychic dead zone in the United States. So... Today, it is one of the best-known monuments in the United States, and its remaining buildings in the surrounding area are one of the most haunted places in the nation. Um, like Laura mentioned, many deaths occurred on the site, so tales of apparitions at the old mission have been reported for almost two centuries. They started immediately. They died, and they were like, listen, we're here to haunt. Um, maybe that's the reason they were able to take out so many of the of Santa Ana's army. I don't know. Right. Um, so before the Battle of the Alamo, the ground that takes up most of the Alamo Plaza today was utilized as a cemetery between 1724 and 1793. Uh, it's estimated that about a thousand people were buried there during those years. So in addition to those pre-Alamo bodies, most of the men fighting on both sides of the battle were also buried in the area. Now, even today, construction and utility workers often turn up skulls and other bones when excavating in the area. That had to be a real treat. <laughs> God. Oh, I found another bone. <laughs> how, how many of these are there here? Um, so, whoa, you are right over there. Yeah, I just run into things. It's fine. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I just run into things. Sounds like you're tearing your desk down. 
Okay, sorry. Um, so the first reported sighting of the ghostly activity happened only weeks after the Battle of the Alamo. When Santa Ana left San Antonio, no, <laughs> San Antonio, sorry. Bitch. <laughs> and oh my God, there we go. <laughs> Listen, there's a romantic drama involved here. No, no. When Santa Ana, <laughs> fuck that bitch, Jesus. When Santa, dude, don't, why are you giving me a giggle fit? Okay. When Santa Ana left San Antonio, he moved about 1,500 of his troops to San Jacinto, near today's Houston, leaving about 1,000 men at San Antonio to control the rebels. However, he was captured by Sam Houston and his Texican freedom fighters in April of 1836. So in retaliation, Santa Ana sent messengers to order the destruction of the Alamo, as Laura just said. But um, his wish would not come true because when the Mexican troops neared the church with flaming torches, six fully formed spirits suddenly appeared before the front doors of the mission, waving blazing sabers and yelling, do not touch the Alamo, do not touch these walls. The Mexicans fled in fear and would not be persuaded to return regardless of their superiors' threats. Some say these entities were Alamo defenders, while others say they were monks protecting the mission. So they ghosts were there like from day one. Like I said, maybe they were helping to defend this place. I forgot about that part. So like I said, we're learning together. Um, I was like, that's cool. Right. So when Colonel Sanchez, who was tasked with leading the destruction of the mission, reported back to General Andrade, he recounted the tale of the six Diablos, or devils, um, coming out of the front doors. The general only scoffed, thinking the story ludicrous. Now, Mm -hmm. however, not one of the men of the first task force would return to the Alamo. Uh, Frustrated but undaunted, the general garnered another group of men and returned to the Alamo, determined to burn the Longhouse barracks. However, again, the building was saved from destruction when a tall male spirit arose from the building's roof. Standing above the Mexican soldiers, the entity was said to have held two flaming balls of fire in his outstretched hands. At the sight of the abnormality, the soldiers fell to their knees and covered their eyes. And fleeing once again, they refused to return. And for the next 10 years, the Alamo lay in ruins. Now, um, the Cenotaph, which is the Alamo monument, was um, erected in 1939. And on it, it depicts this spirit upon its face, along with the defenders of the fortress. So legend has it that when the ethereal energy was released from the flames, where the Alamo defenders' bodies were burned, the spirit utilized the energy to make itself visible to frighten away the would-be destructionists. Makes sense to me, I think. Now, in 1846, following Texas's... um, annexation into the United States, the U.S. Army began to occupy the complex, making significant repairs to the church and to the old barracks. By the late 19th century, the tales of ghostly happenings at the Alamo were well known to the area. (laughs) Like, by then, everybody was like, yeah, we know. Um, However, this did not stop the city of San Antonio in its move to utilize the old mission as a police headquarters and the old barracks as a jail. 
So within no time, prisoners were housed in the barracks um, and they started to complain of paranormal activities. Uh, So between the years of 1894 and 1897, several articles appeared in the San Antonio Express News describing ghostly sentries that paced along the police station's roof. Shadows and moaning sounds were heard by the staff and um, and prisoners, along with other ghostly phenomenon. Um, guards and watchmen began to refuse to patrol the building after hours. This, of course, caused an uproar among the politicians. And a short time later, the prisoners were moved to another location. The guards were like, listen, they're fine on their own. It looks sturdy. They're not going to break out. They don't need us. We're not going to be there. (laughs) Today... Apparitions continue to appear upon these historic grounds as both staff and tourists alike report ghostly happenings that occur at all hours of the day and night. Guests have made several reports at nearby hotels who have seen, this is awful, who have seen grotesque apparitions coming from the wall of the old Alamo, as well as restless spirits walking back and forth on top of the buildings. So still others have reported hearing the sounds of screams, explosions, and the faint trumpet notes of El Deguello, the Spanish call of no quarter that Santa Ana ordered played during the final assault on the fort. Wild. Right? Um, In one instance, a park ranger at the Alamo encountered the ghost of a man dressed in attire from the 1830s. He didn't have a squirrel cap on, though. That's fucking a bummer. I know. Listen, listen. Crockett shows up. Um, It was a really hot day in the late spring when the ranger first viewed the suspicious man on the fort grounds and the guy was walking toward the library. So as the ranger hurried after him, he observed that he was wearing tall boots, a plantation hat, and a long overcoat, which just sounds ungodly in Texas heat. Right? (laughs) Also, not fashionable. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see, um, to the ranger's surprise, uh, the puzzling man faded away into obscurity when he neared the chapel. When the ranger investigated further, he could not find any evidence of the stranger's passing. Others have alleged to have seen the same apparition numerous times in the courtyard of the Alamo, both during the day and at night. Creepy. You know, ghosts don't just come out at night. That's the creeps. The creeps come out at night. Listen. Uh, In the front of the Alamo, the lawn covers a portion of the old cemetery, and several federal marshals who have patrolled the grounds at night have quit their jobs after having encountered some of these wandering entities. (laughs) Ah, the old I saw ghost excuse. I get it. Right. Um, That's why I quit my last job. It's fine. Uh, Always spotted in the gardens next to the mission appears a fully formed spirit of a cowboy, complete with a black duster and cowboy hat. Dripping wet, he is described as looking like he has ridden through a severe thunderstorm. Many Texans, uh, or wait, many Texas historians theorize that the spirit may have been one of the 22 dispatch writers that William Travis sent seeking assistance. Could be. Mm-hmm. So a second entity makes his presence known um, at, at, is that of an Alamo defender. He's often reported to stick his head and shoulders out of the large rectangular window over the double doors of the church's front. Mm-hmm. After leaning out and scoping the area, he then leans back and disappears. Could you imagine 
walking up to the church and you see this guy like what's up boop and then just pull back it's i can't i can't one of the most often cited ghosts is actually a small blonde haired boy that is most often seen in the left upstairs window which houses that fabulous gift shop um appearing almost always during the first few weeks of february the forlorn looking boy has also been seen wandering the complex's grounds now some believe the boy was evacuated during the siege and returns annually to search for his long lost father who died in the battle which is just heartbreaking and sad now there's yet another um, spirit is a woman uh, who is also reported to have been seen next to the water well on the other side of the church. She appears only at night and reports alleged that she materializes only as a vaporous torso like spirit. Vaporous torso like spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fucking specific. All right. I know. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like that's how you described your last ex-girlfriend. I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe you call her vapid. I can't remember. Anyway, no one knows who this restless apparition might have been. Um, but she seems to frequent the water well by the church. So in an area of the mission today utilized for storage and meetings, staff has often encountered a tall Indian who silently creeps up behind them. That's so fucked up. <laughs> uh, after having suddenly felt a presence... They turn to see the broad-chested Native American who suddenly disappears or walks back through a solid wall that once held a tunnel doorway to the Menger Hotel across the street. Um, oh, that's cool. Let's yeah, that's that. that's on our list. Yeah, that's on our list. <laughs> Due to these many sightings, staff often report um, being afraid to enter the basement. Yet... Right? <laughs> Wuss. Um, yet others have reported seeing a tall, stately Mexican officer slowly wandering the site's um, grounds in the buildings. His face is filled with sorrow, and um, the man is seen walking with his arms clasped behind his back and slowly shaking his head. Many believe the ghostly man is that of General Manuel Fernandez de Castrillon, one of Santa Ana's uh, regimental commanders. So Castrillon was one of the few officers who had opposed the final assault on the Alamo, stating it was bound to be a bloodbath. Now, he wasn't wrong. Uh, his opposition was obviously ignored as the regiment continued to bombard the fortress. And when the firing finally ceased, six of the Alamo defenders surrendered and were brought to General Castrillon. He offered them his protection and petitioned Santa Ana for clemency. However, the embittered dictator refused, petulant bitch, and he ordered the six men executed. Having given his word, Castrion refused to carry out the order, but Santa Ana's men soon fell on the surrendering Texans and hacked them to death with sabers. So I'm wondering if maybe these six men aren't the six men that in the beginning of my part went out. Yeah, went out and was like, and we're like, you will not bring oh. your shenanigans here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, our favorite squirrel hat wearing guy. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a coonskin cap in buckskin. Yeah, I know it's not really squirrel, but it does look like squirrel. 
It does. Um, in buckskin clothing and a coonskin cap, park rangers have often spotted the spirit of none other than frontiersman and Alamo defender Davy Crockett. The transparent figure is described as standing at attention in various locations around the Alamo, holding a flintlock rifle. So one night a ranger entered the barracks and observed a hideous scene. That's never what you want to observe. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> there, leaning against the wall, was a man wearing buckskin clothing, typically worn by frontiersmen during the 1800s. To the ranger's trained eye, it appeared that the man's torso had been riddled with bullet holes. Ouch. Uh-huh. Before the ranger could react, spirits of several Mexican soldiers stepped from the darkness and encircled the stranger with their bayonets at the ready. Like a coiled spring, the ghostly soldiers pounced, thrusting their long blades through the incorporeal body of the anguished, buckskin-clad specter. In an instant, the encounter played itself out, and the ethereal apparitions just faded away, leaving one emotionally drained ranger in their wake. (laughs) Is that not the most fucked up haunting ever? That would be... Right. <laughs> You're like, all right, I kind of like hideous. That sounds pretty neat. Um, it's at this point, uh, Laura and ladies and gentlemen, that I do want to let you guys know that uh, my son is, I believe, third or fourth cousin of Davy Crockett on his father's side. Davy Crockett is one of Coy's cousins. Yeah, I had to. Um, I had to text his grandma Lori because I couldn't remember if it was Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone. I knew it was one of them. And uh, Lori sent a picture of her and Frank at Davy Crockett's grave. And so, oh, yeah, cool. it was on on Frank's side that Coy is a distant cousin of Davy Crockett. So nice. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to tell him the horrific way that his cousin died. Um, <laughs> so Very exciting. It's going to be the best. Uh, In March of every year, a few days after the Alamo's final demise, numerous people report being awakened in the early morning hours by a sound of a horse galloping on pavement. Many believe the unseen rider is that of um, James Allen, who is the last courier to leave the Alamo on the evening before its final battle. Wandering restlessly, he is thought to be attempting to return to the Alamo with his report to Colonel Travis. So... Stories are also told of a tall, thin man and a small child, often seen on the roof of the Alamo um, at sunrise. I guess in the final hours of the siege, Colonel Juan Andrade and several other Mexican officers stated that they were horrified when they saw a man with a small child in his arms leap to the ground at the rear of the church. So two other small boys are also spied following tour groups on the property. Seemingly, these little kids appear behind the group and then just as quickly vanish when the group reaches the sacristy room. Am I saying that right? Sacristy? Mm-hmm. Sacristy? Yeah? You're Sounds Catholic? Like sure. <laughs> okay. Oh, barely You're, are. <laughs> You're barely <laughs> Catholic, right? You might be this rich, but yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> thought to be... Alamo artilleryman Anthony Wolfe's sons, the boys age 9 and 12, were killed in the final assault. So that's pretty fucked. Mm -hmm. Hiding in the Alamo mission, they were mistaken for Alamo defenders and killed by the advancing Mexicans. A 9-year-old and a 12-year-old. Like, how young were these 
Alamo defenders. I mean, I get that like they were like often young boys, especially in the Civil War or whatever, pretending to be older to be able to enlist. So maybe, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like a kid, well, I was going to say like a kid Zane's age, but Zane is very tall for his age. So I can see <laughs> that was a bad example. <laughs> Zane and Koi were both very tall for 10 year olds. Yeah. So this one is my favorite because I find it the most amusing. Uh, another ghost who is reportedly seen is that of John Wayne. <laughs> Hence, there. right? Hence my uh, little uh, little lady, little lady at the beginning. Um, when the Duke directed and acted in the 1960 movie The Alamo, he became obsessed with its history. So he insisted on historical accuracy, and he personally toured the Alamo on several occasions and uh, consulted the actual blueprints of the fortress before spending some $1.5 recreating a replica of the old mission in Brackettville, Texas. That is a dedicated man. Yeah, it is. For sure. In addition to the replica of the mission, an entire village was constructed for the movie which has since become a tourist attraction and has been used as a set for other films. So shortly after he died, staff and visitors began to report the Duke walking the grounds of the original Alamo. Some say he is often talking with the spirits of the original Alamo defenders. How happy must he be? All right. He's and he's super the like the afterlife is really, really coming up. John Wayne. Um, <laughs> Um, today, the mission, um, San Antonio de Valero and the Long Barracks are dwarfed by the many tall buildings surrounding the historic site. Uh, though these two remaining buildings of the compound look very small compared to the fortress that it used to be, it, that had expanded some five and a half acres, dominating the area to the north of the original San Antonio settlement, the fortress once housed numerous outbuildings and was surrounded by thick walls, as you had mentioned. So over the years... The walls were dismantled. The buildings began to spring up surrounding what was left of the Alamo compound. Now, many of these walls are now buried beneath the streets of San Antonio. However, the restless spirits don't seem to comprehend this as they continue to wander in or around the surrounding area um, through newer buildings that were never associated with the fortress. So it's very common in residual haunts. They'll follow the pattern that they they had when they were living so even mm -hmm. if you put a wall where a door used to be they'll walk that's why like they're there this ghost walked through a wall well maybe when the ghost was there there was a door there there was no wall or whatever yeah so guides tell visitors that nearly every storefront building on alamo plaza which faces the church is also haunted uh, built directly over one of the old compound walls the spirits of those who died defending the compound are said to roam the area so it says here that two locations where the bodies of those um, in the Battle of the Alamo were buried are also said to be haunted. Many of those who died defending the Alamo were burned near the spot where... <laughs> this is so lovely. Let's stay here. <laughs> Many of those who died defending the Alamo were burned near the spot where the River Center Marriott stands today. <laughs> yeah, we can go on the river walk. It'll be great. <laughs> Uh, seriously, here, there's also a bookstore located beneath the bridge, and this place allegedly experiences ghostly activity, including one corner of the store that stays very cold, and books frequently fly off the shelves of their own accord. 
That's fun. Right? The Mexican soldiers' bodies were apparently taken to a spot that today is a children's park across from Market Square, nearly a mile away from the Alamo. Reportedly, the park is extremely haunted. (laughs) Come on, Timmy. Let's go play on the slide. Um... At the Alamo, numerous reports have been made of a spectral woman who has been seen walking across the plaza. Legend has it that the female apparition was one of two women walking across the mission grounds in the 1700s and were struck by lightning. So not even associated with the battle. Uh, One of the women died and the other survived. Some speculate that the woman is the one who was killed on that fateful day so long ago. Now... Outside of town on the road that leads from Nacogdoches to San Antonio, there have been dozens of reports of a lone man dressed in early 19th century clothing. Uh, he's often spotted walking along the highway, carries a long rifle, and when passerbys stop to inquire, the man responds that he is trying to, quote, get back to the Alamo where he belongs. Many speculate that um, <clears throat> this lonely specter is that of Louis M., or Moses, Rose, Mm -hmm. the Alamo's only coward. Rose was the man who refused to join the defenders and chose to escape instead. Regretting his flight, he is apparently riddled with guilt and tries over and over again to regain his honor by returning to the battle. So, those regrets, man. Take them with you when you go. Tell you what. (laughs) I think he's looking at this all wrong. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You need to realize that was a smart decision. Um, There is no doubt that the Alamo and the surrounding area is extremely haunted as tourists, rangers, and staff have reported such phenomena as a grotesque man, as grotesque man-shaped forms emanating from the walls. Screams of those who fought in the battle are still heard today. Voices and whispers filter throughout the entire complex. And it's very common to have invisible eyes seemingly watching the many people that work and visit the historic site. So over the years, um, the amount of paranormal, nope, (laughs) I'm tired. It's very late. Over the years, the amount of paranormal disturbance that is is actually increased and not lessened. Uh, And there have been reports of people feeling depressed while walking through the building and have started crying, which doesn't surprise me at all. Right. It's a it's it was a really terrible it's not a happy place. It's not fucking Disneyland, dude. <laughs> it's just not. Mm-mm. So other phenomena occurs, such as eerie cold spots throughout the buildings, vanishing lights and unexplained noises. Um, that is what I have on the ghosts of the Alamo. It sounds utterly fascinating. And um, if you guys are interested, their contact information is their address is 300 Alamo Plaza. Uh, you can also write to P.O. Box 2599, San Antonio, Texas, 78299. Their phone number, if you have questions about ticketing or anything like that, is 210-255-1391. I do want to let you know that the Alamo is a registered historical site and a Texas shrine. So for these reasons, investigations are not allowed on the site. Additionally, no cameras or other electronic equipment, including EMF meters, are allowed inside the Alamo mission or the long barracks. So we can go, but we can't uh, can't hide that REM pod in our pocket or, you know, bring the FLIR and be like, no, no, this is just what my phone needs to take a picture, you know, kind of thing. We can't be stealth. So... That's the ghost of the Alamo. What'd you think? 
That was awesome. Loved yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder Makes what. Makes me wish I would have visited more when I was there. Yeah. But we did go, like I said, the one time, but um, yeah. Mm. It would be uh, way cooler if I saw, you know, ghosts. But If you had seen John Wayne, I'd have been like, listen, <laughs> did you get his autograph? Pretty cool. Does he know he's dead? I have so many questions. Um, actually, no, don't ever ask a ghost that. That's super rude. <laughs> That's super rude. Don't do that. Uh, I've never been. And now I never thought I wanted to go. But through this podcast, there are so many places that I was like, well, I'm never going to go there. That I'm like, I absolutely have to go here. <laughs> After well, we research it and really get to know it. Close, close to Austin. So you also have some good haunted places in Austin. And sure do. San Antonio is actually a lot of fun. Is uh, it? Very cool. Yeah, it's a cool city. It's uh, very artsy. Lots of like good food. And yeah, it's a fun place. That's cool. That's cool. We actually, um, we had told you guys when we had come back from our hiatus that we are going to be going and revisiting a lot of, not a lot, but a fair amount mm-hmm. of um, episodes uh, that were early on episodes that we are going to, you know, we revisited Ohio State Reformatory in time for the Paris Icon that we were going to. But a couple of our earliest, very earliest episodes where research wasn't like on point, the recording was janky and everything was weird. Um, everything is still weird and the recording is still kind of janky, but we are um, going to be bringing you a couple of revisits coming up before the end of the year and that includes the driscoll hotel Mm. we're gonna do we're gonna do the driscoll and i think queen mary is on the list we're gonna revisit those two before the end of the year um so i'm excited about that um i've already picked my halloween costume for this year do you know what you're gonna be i already i already have it yeah you already have it Mm -hmm. yeah i already have mine i have to get one more thing that i'm ordering from amazon but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, it is very scary, though. All right. And the only people who know are my mom, Aaron Bush, and Jennifer. And I was okay. like, what do you think if I am this? And they were like, it's brilliant. I fucking love it. And I'm like, all right, then we're doing it. I was going to let the people vote again this year, but I was like, mm. I'm poor, so I need to do something simple with stuff I have around here. Uh, <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah, very scary costume. So, all right, looking forward to it. It's going to be the best. Um, and our four-year anniversary is coming up, so yay! And your three-year anniversary. There's a lot of big doings coming up for the podcast uh, in these final months. Uh, we are in the, as Koi said, we are in the burrs now. September, November, December. We're in the burrs now. So um, we are. The good times. The good times, except it's still fucking 98 degrees here and 116 there. and Yeah. So, <coughs> whatever. Um, Don't die. <laughs> Pepsi, in the wrong pipe. <laughs> While I choke and die, why don't you tell them where they can follow us? <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and the TikTok at HOH Podcast. And also on the TikTok at HOH Carrie and at HOH co-host Laura. I think I've got it. <clears throat> All right. You sound great. I mean, uh, I know. Koi's <laughs> always like, when you do that, you sound like Marge Simpson. 
Um, and actually, think Takuma. And, yeah, I think Takuma and Naima have told me that I sound like uh, Marge Simpson and her sisters. So anyway, mm. uh, to that end, guys, uh, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. We will be back next week with a brand new episode, and it is my turn next week for the short story. Laura's was super fun today, so if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and check it out. It's on Stockholm Syndrome. Slindrum? No. I, I'm, I'm doing fabulous. Why don't you just go ahead and close this out all the way because seriously, I got to cough again. Stay okay. safe out there. <laughs> you never know who or what is coughing. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for watching. Bye. <coughs> Shit. <laughs>